Name a career in which you may not have to worry about performance and still get paid, uh, besides the weatherman. Well, of course you expect your broker to perform well, but what if they put your money in the market and the market doesn't perform? 50% chance of rain or sunny skies. Is it time you learned how to keep your principal and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I appreciate your time. Happy to be here to, I don't know, maybe hope, hopefully help you learn a little bit about getting out of debt, managing money. That's our plan. You know, planning for the future. That's a big part of your life. Here's one of the issues that we find over and over again in the financial world. The politics, the political world, state and local, really start to cramp your style, doesn't it? They make some moves. They raise taxes. And now they promise. They promise. I think I, I even saw Biden do a pinky promise that he's not going to raise taxes on the middle class. Okay, what is there, about 750, 760 billionaires? And if we're supposed to go after the billionaires, I get it. Okay, fine, let's go after Do you realize they are never going to show up a day in court or to the audit or to the IRS headquarters? That's not their job. They're billionaires. What, are the, what is their job? Well, it's to hire people whose job it is to show up. And do you not think they're prepared? They dotted their I's and crossed their T's? Who do you think this, this is meant to be? Well, of course it's got to go after the middle class. There's more of you. If they can take, I don't know, $1,000 from you guys in the middle per year, that's barely a prick. But look how many of them. Look how many of you in the middle class. They're going to have to take such a large amount from a billionaire. It's just never going to happen. And so when they say this, oh, you know, the millionaires and billionaires, we're going to go after them. That's our, that's our commitment to you. You always have to ask yourself, why do they hate him so much? Like, what, what don't they like about successful people? Because, you know, they say it in a way in which you can appreciate and go after these millionaires and billionaires because you go, yeah, 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 I hate them too. Yeah, 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 they shouldn't have their wealth. Or has anybody ever asked you, hey, wait a second, uh, I have a job because of a billionaire. Or, or wait a second, you know, we have a hospital that has an amazing cancer center because of a billionaire. Yeah, listen, I'm not defending them. They don't need my help defending them. I just want you to think for a second to be common sense oriented. Because you're not. Because some of you are still voting for these clowns. Right? What do they say? I saw this the other day. Whenever there's a crisis in the, in the circus, they send the clowns in. Right? And that's like AOC. You can always tell whenever there's a problem, let's send in the clowns. And they start bouncing around, jumping around. You know, becoming something that uh, is a distraction, if you will. 
So I'm not sure exactly why this attack on billionaires, except that they think they can unite people against them. It's this class warfare, us against them. You know, if you can tell me, if you can outline to me how much Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, how much more are you guys going to pay in your taxes? I think that's a fair question, right? They love to use the word, the F word. Let's let's talk about that fair. How much more are you guys going to pay in your taxes, Nancy Pelosi? Because I think, I think we should know that. So we can see what you're giving to the cause, what your commitment is to the men, women, and children of America to make their life a little bit better because it's about the children. Anyway, let's continue here as we're, we're talking about some uh, updated things. You know, I, I, I needed one of those breaking news. Just in. Liz Cheney lost. So many of you are concerned about this. Okay, you can't see, but there's tongue-in-cheek in that one. You're concerned about Liz Cheney. You understand her background against Donald Trump. It's very simple, really. They've been best friends with the Biden family forever. They have her and the McCains. And then, of course, when Dick Cheney was attacked, Biden didn't do anything about it. They called him a war criminal, basically. Went after him. He had a lower approval rating than Donald Trump when he left office. He was a hated man, Halliburton Stooge and all these other things they called him. But what I found fascinating is when Donald Trump comes into office and he starts commenting and questioning President Bush's, well, decision to invade Iraq. I guess there was a lot of ways he could have done it. He chose a pretty hardcore way. Now, you remember President Bush, his dad, they, uh, they foiled an attack, uh, a, an assassination attempt. The Iraqi government was behind an assassination attempt on Bush 1. Well, I'd say they're probably a pretty close family. And if you now are the president of the United States and somebody tried to attack your dad, wouldn't you, I don't know, wouldn't you stand up? Probably. Now, are you supposed to use the full force and, and credit of the United States government? Probably not. But the world was less safe because of it. The world was in a worse position because of it. So was it a personal vendetta? I don't know. But it does it does sound like Mrs. Cheney is behind these attacks of President Trump through the January 6th. But in addition to all of that, what does she do? Well, it's probably about the family. Because President Trump called her dad all sorts of bad names. You know, he called him, you know, incompetent, a war criminal, basically. So... Anybody surprised that she doesn't like President Trump? She voted with him, what, 93% of the time. But where I'm confident is that the American people will speak up. Now, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't know if these crooks in Sacramento are going to be able to to change what they've, um, you know, we're going to be able to change what they've embedded into our system. That's going to be hard to do because they've basically created a whole scenario where you and me and everybody else, no matter what, you're going to get this ballot in the mail. There's these mules that carry them that make sure the mules, you know, deposit these things into the, uh, into the, the boxes, I guess, what do you call them? The ballot boxes. I told you, my parents live in a place and they received five ballots. My last house said, oh, we have a ballot ballot for you. It was only 21 years ago. But how many places 
How many people get ballots? My house. There were three voters. I guess four voters in the last election. Six ballots. Right? Because remember, if they spell your name wrong, that's a ballot. You can't figure it out. So here's what I think is happening. With the amount of people leaving the state of California, certainly Southern California, I, I think you're going to start getting this coagulation of ideas. You've heard me talk about this before. I think the amount of people that are leaving the state of California and going to certain parts, I, I believe you're going to see, well, really a dilution of the amount of conservatives in the state. Because predominantly they're the ones that are leaving. Predominantly. You know, I've seen memes and jokes. How do you know a Democrat when you see him? Well, first start with the mask while they're walking by themselves outside. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's one way. The problem is you Democrats keep voting for the progressives, the far left. So liberals with liberal ideas, you guys don't even vote for the ideas that you say you support. You're voting for people that with less freedom of speech, with less freedom of religion, with less freedom of thought. That's what you're voting for. I don't think you guys have a, an opportunity to really realize the damage you're doing to this country. Because as the financial uh, problems really start to, to permeate through the system, here's what you're seeing. You're seeing people taking their jobs. You see, because where you live is where you pay taxes on unearned income. And you know, unearned income is what? Well, that's pension income. That's 401k withdrawals. That's IRA withdrawals, Social Security. That is unearned income. So what a lot of folks are doing is they're residents, six months in a day, whatever the, the number is, and they're staying outside of the state of California. You might have a second home here in the state. Well, stand by. If you still have a second home in the state and it's under your name, that's a state audit risk. The state of California has quietly started increasing its audits amongst people who, quote, don't live here anymore. How they're doing it is they're starting with people who still own a home here. Oh, my kids are living there. My adult children. Oh, we're renting it out. Well, that's fine. All that works. All you got, all you have to understand, though, is that you're the one that's going to be the target. So you make sure your ducks in a row. If you're really spending time outside of the state of California, if you really have your doctors, your, your driver's license, your voter registration, your car registration, your veterinarian for your, your pets, right? Your, your, pharmacy, your hairdresser. These things are important. Up to and including, oh, I get my nails done out of the state. I mean, these are very big deal. Because California has started this home is where the heart is. Which means what they're doing is they're going after your cell phone. Yeah. They ping your cell phone to see how much time you spend in the state of California. They review your credit cards to see if every other day or every day you're charging something. There's a debit card in the state of California. So what I want to encourage to you to do as you leave the state, you swipe your card. I don't mind if it's 10 cents or $2 or your favorite you know, cup of coffee at your favorite place for $6. You just swipe that credit card and begin. That's when your time begins. So that no matter what happens, you say, listen, if you can see I swiped my card. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona on this day. I landed. I'm at the airport. I swiped my card. And then everything else you do, your cell phone is pinged at that time, your, your doctor appointments are that time. Everything is built around that visit. 
that time that, that you stay there. And then the same thing happens in the state of California. You land at the airport or you drive over the border, you swipe your card and you do it all over again. And you say, here's the time that I'm in the state of California. And you keep a logbook, paper and electronic people. Yes. Or you store it in different places where there's a timestamp, where there's some sort of a, a record keeping. You send yourself an email. These are important things. You think it's a bit of overkill. Who do you think they're going to go after? The person who says, I'm just going to give the IRS or the state of California their $2,600 and just tell them to leave me alone. 2600 times $15 million, and you have yourself a pretty good payday. Both the state franchise tax board and the IRS, they actually get paid a commission. They get paid a, pro, a, a piece of what they collect. So if it's a bad audit, not only does it take their time and impact their bonus, I guess, you, you know, you can call it whatever you want. Commission, bonus, incentive, whatever. It'd be fun. Hey, guys, if, if you are an IRS agent or, or a um, state of California and you know the name of that, you know the term, just let me know. Be fun to talk about it. People need to know. I mean, you're a public employee. What is it that they call that bonus that they pay the agents? I don't know. We'll call it commission at the, at the moment until we find a better word. So you realize that if they owe you money at the end of the audit, then it's a problem. It it sets them back. But if you if you owe them money, and they can keep digging and keep collecting and you're the one that shows up to the audit, not a professional, then they'll keep digging until they can get any more from you. These people are very smart. They know the IRS code. Now, you might say, my CPA knows it better, my attorney knows it better. Well, great. Oh, my so-and-so used to work for the IRS, fine. But I want you to realize that, that this is what they do for a living. Okay, so how do you fix this? Number one, you pay your taxes. You pay what's owed. I mean, I know that sounds kind of, <laughs> whoa, kind of revolutionary. Pay your taxes. Two, you do all the planning that you can, and you keep your records. Because I think they're coming after you. And the worst thing in the world is a retiree who's on a fixed budget, who's going to be forced to pull money out of their retirement account because the state of California or the federal government wants more money. Because they will go after you, and look, you have to pull it from your retirement account, which means it's a greater taxable event, right? It means you have to create even more taxes just to end up not paying, uh, you know, paying a, a larger fee to your CPAs, your attorneys. So track your expenses. Track your expenses both for the state of California, and I want you to do this. Meet with your CPA. Meet with your tax preparer. Now, June, July, August, right? We're coming up towards the middle or the third quarter. August, September, October. Meet with them before they get so busy because the 15 minutes or, or hour that they can spend to you during tax time, is, their mind is not clear because they've got a lot going on. They have people. They have deadlines. They have things they got to do. I want them to spend time with you. Yes, you're going to pay for it, by the way. Yeah, you might pay, I don't know, $200, $500. But I want you to have a meeting with them that's a planning session. We do that with our clients. We're involved in those meetings. I frequently go both to attorney and CPA meetings because I can speak on the financial side, the areas that I'm an expert. They speak on either the legal or the tax side. 
we sit down together and they might ask me a question and I might say something and then that drives them in a different direction and then I say ask them a question and that says something and it drives the uh, you know client in a different direction like oh well, well I have another question then that's important because you'll pay for it for them our clients don't pay us anything to go to these meetings if you're a client it's part of what we do we'll go with you we'll sit in there we'll we'll present what we have if they ask you know we'll, we'll give them the details, etc. But it's better to hear, you know, professional to professional where the jargon is similar. And I think this is a big deal for you because for most people, they just do their tax forms and they leave. But there is a little bit of planning that's done. There is a little bit of conversation that needs to be done. All right, let me give you the number, guys. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Also, hey, guys, on the second hour... Uh, I have emails for you, some amazing emails. This particular one I think you're going to be shocked at. So that's coming up at the second hour. Uh, I'll fill you in when we get closer to it. But it's uh, the second hour, two emails. If you want to send me an email, let me give you the, the email address. It's arif, A-R-I-F, arif at tfswealth.com. So arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. So when we're talking about your family's finances and all the details that go with it, I think part of what you need to understand is that in this conversation, you are in partnership with the IRS. You are in partnership with the State of California Tax Board. A lot of you will make a decision to, to move or to go somewhere else to live. But remember, they can go backwards and audit you. They can go backwards, I don't know, three, four years. If there's fraud, sometimes there's no limit, right? If they think you're sneaky, if, if there's criminal stuff... They can go back two, five, ten years. So make sure that whatever you're doing, whatever you're supposed to be doing, you do it right. Make sure you have the documentation. Today it's a lot easier to track things as opposed to just scanning in a bunch of receipts. It's also the credit card statement. But a friend of mine was audited recently and he said, Eric, the credit card statement isn't enough. I had it. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I had the statements. She asked for the receipts. And, and I'm like, well, some of them I had, some of them I didn't because I, I swiped my company credit card. Tough luck, not good enough. Now, listen, you guys have heard of Dan Pilla. If you haven't, I've mentioned him a couple of times before. Dan Pilla, an amazing tax attorney, somebody who knows this stuff better than any agent I've ever, an IRS agent I've ever talked to. So reach out. He's got a couple of great books, I think at least two that I know of. Dan Pilla, right, tax guy. He'll tell you that sometimes it makes sense to take it to the limit, right? To take it all the way. That's a little scary. So you want to meet with your tax, your your providers. You want to meet with the people that are out there who can sit down and say, here's where we can find a solution. All right, let me give you the, I, I've got the uh, taxhelponline.com. Okay, that's how you get it. Taxhelponline.com. That's Dan Pilla's information. I think some of you are just afraid and intimidated by the IRS. Look, they count on it. When I was a Los Angeles police officer, we counted on it. Right? We didn't have the body cameras. It didn't mean we did anything wrong. But we counted on uh, you being a bit, I don't know, off kilter when you saw two law enforcement officers in front of you. That's why Southern California law enforcement officers and, and others, but this is what I know, they're professional, they're sharp, their uniforms need to be impeccable, 
right? We would actually have inspections about once every couple of months where the entire shift, right, morning shift, whatever it is, lines up and up. You got to shine your shoes a little bit better. Oh, your uniform's a little uh, worn and tattered. Time to get a new one. And they would go through because you have to look like you know what you're doing. That was part of the intimidation, right? And, and I guess you can use intimidation as a good way, right? There were times where just me and a, an officer shorter than I'm five seven, five eight on a good day, and I had a, a female officer that was smaller than me, and we had to shut down a party of two hundred kids, two hundred kids. Uh, can we have backup? Everybody's busy. Can we have a helicopter? They're not flying tonight. Can we have another unit at all? Uh, 30 to 40 minutes. I'm like, eh, this isn't, this, that's too long for us. So me and my partner just walked in. You find out where the music is, you shut it off, you get people's attention. You find out who the owner of the place is. It's usually somebody's teenage son where the kid, the parents are gone for the week. You know the story. And we had to shut down the whole entire party. That's not easy. But with the intimidation, with we call it command presence. With that ability to, now look, hey, surprise, surprise. The IRS does the same thing. With their audit scenario. Everything is a psychological event. Everything. And some of you, listen, if you're thinking about doing, you know, about this as a scenario, why don't you just go and, uh, oh, I know, go get a job with them. You want to know the inside scoops? Go go be a, an undercover, you know, what do they call it? A whistleblower. Right? Go tell the story. 86,000 agents, that's a lot of people. Maybe that's where you need to work. Could be a good career. You could be the honest person. Right? There's certainly many, many honest IRS agents. I've heard too many stories with too many clients to know there's certainly others. But remember, they hire from the human race. Right? Just like there's DWP workers that are not honest and nurses that are not honest and firefighters that are not honest and on and on. So maybe that's a career job for you. Maybe it's a place for that kid with the uh, barely got the college degree sitting in the basement playing video games. Maybe this is his career choice. And then he can get off your payroll. All right, I want to touch on a couple of things here after the break, but I think part of what you need to understand is the financial world is changing very rapidly. Try to get a loan today compared to six weeks ago. Try to buy a house today and get that house appraised. Because appraisers are not playing any games. They're discounting homes. So let's say it would have appraised for $900,000. They see a slump in the market coming. They're going to tell the bank, I don't know, whatever, eight let's say. They're going to discount it. And if that means you either don't qualify for the house because you don't have the extra down payment, or if it means that the interest rates have increased and now you can't qualify because you don't make enough money or you don't have the extras for the down payment, you see, that's the problem that's coming down the road. Many of you signed your contracts for your new homes in January, February, March, right? When I, 22 years ago, when I bought a house under construction, right, it was just a piece of dirt. And that was the first part of February. They said, you'll be moving in by December. Well, it was December 23rd that we moved in. So what is that, uh, 10, 12 months? And that's when their supply chain didn't have a problem. That's when people were actually working and not collecting free government money. So what do you see now? I think some of you that put your deposit down for your house, you're probably going to lose that deposit. 
because they're going to say, and now can you qualify at 5.5% interest? You're going to say, no, no, no. In February, when I signed the deal, I qualified at 3.5%. Well, now the, now the rates are 5.5%. But what about? Sorry. So I believe there's going to be some changes. There's going to be an inventory push. And what are we seeing right now? For retirees and non-retirees, we have a 20% plus increase in credit card debt. Household debt surges past 16 T trillion dollars. And balances have increased for mortgages, auto loans, and credit cards. That's in the second quarter. Folks, we haven't even hit the third quarter yet. Right? We're not done with the third quarter. Fox Business is reporting household debt grew in the second quarter of this year as a result of consumers taking out more loans across several markets. All right, this is Eric Halvies. Thank you for staying with me. We'll be right back after the break. The Total Financial Hour, 888 retire We'll be right back. Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halabi. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. For those of you, this is your <laughs> tuning in by accident. This is the Total Financial Hour. I appreciate it. Many of you are on purpose. I really appreciate it. You guys have stayed with us over these last years, and because of you, we have our second hour of the show, specifically about your family's questions, your uh, emails. We answer those. Um, remember, I put the emails together in the sense that uh, – you know, you might ask a question two weeks ago or four weeks ago, but if I start to see that pattern happen either in other emails or certainly if I see that in my office or with clients, phone calls, I start to say, hmm, this is a pattern of behavior. So we're going to be touching on a couple of those, and one of those seems to be a little bit more of a more of a, a, an instant pattern of behavior, I'd say, in the last six months, uh, really since this crisis has uh, begun. So it's a big thing to to see if it helps some of you. All right, we're talking about debt and some of the concerns. We have seen an increase in credit card debt across the board. A lot of you ask questions. In fact, just the other day I had a couple in, and they were asking questions about when do we know that we can afford to retire? When do we think that it's good? How, how, how do we know the numbers? It's said very simple. One, I want bad debt paid off. They said, what do you mean? Isn't all debt bad? Go, no. Bad debt is bad. Good debt is good. They said, well, let's explain Bad debt is anything that costs you money. We call it eats your money, right? It would be cars, credit cards, your primary mortgage. Yes, people, your primary house is bad debt because who has to work for it? If you're the one going to work at a job or, or you're liquidating your assets, your savings, your retirement accounts in order to pay for your house mortgage, I call that bad debt. Right? It's not me. It's not a brand new thing. It's Robert Kiyosaki's ideas. Right? So, so I really appreciate him because he changed my life back in the late 90s. 
Some of you know the story. I'll tell it to you another day. But I think part of the conversation about eliminating bad debt, cars, motorhomes, etc., is if you cannot eliminate it, and a lot of people can't certainly pay off their home, certainly you can't pay off their RV, you know, these are larger, larger uh, ticket items. But what you can do, what you have an option to do, is to sit down and say, well, if that's the case, right, then how do I create myself an opportunity to never run out of money? How do I create an opportunity to have somebody else or something else pay for it? Right? Well, that's pretty amazing. How do we do that? Well, you could have assets. Whether it's your rental property comes in, there's a $500 a month profit, great. I don't mind spending that $500 a month profit on a lifestyle. $500 a month month comes in, pays for your car, doesn't affect the rest of your assets, it's a good day. Some of you have these small pensions, the grocery clerk pension, uh, school district pensions if you worked for a short bit. I see those a lot lately. And they're small, three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month. If you say, Arif, I don't need that money to pay my bills each month, but I wanted to buy a nice car, or I want to use it as a for a lease payment, so I never run out of, you know, a, a nice car. I, I always want to have a nice car, rather. Okay, I don't mind using that asset to come in the front door and use it to pay for quote a nice car. I'm all right with that. It's that you have to get on this treadmill of life. You have to take your social security check that's coming in that you need it to live on, and then we have to use it to pay credit card debt. That's the problem. And let's be clear on this. If you continuing, uh, continue to have credit card debt, if it's an issue for you, for most of you, you have to realize that it's usually a mental or psychological thing. Now, you might throw up your hands and say, oh, whatever. Well, then look around. Did you use credit card debt to buy dinner because you had empty cupboards, an empty refrigerator? Was the the man from the electric company at your front door with the red notice ready to, to you know tape it on the door and, and you said no 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 put it on my visa or is this something that you're choosing to do because of you know family issues uh, boredom other psychological issues that that's okay we see that but you have to be clear on it because if you're trying to solve the wrong problem. You're always going to have the wrong solution. We've seen that with the issues with the water crisis in the state of California, right? They're trying to solve a problem. We need more water. No, no, no. You need more fresh water. And they go, uh-huh, 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 same thing. I go, no, it's not the same thing, right? Oh, oh, so what am I supposed to sit in a room and not do anything for my entire retirement? No. You have to budget better. Oh, well, I can't budget. Well, how about you do this then? You go get a part-time job. You'll lose weight. Your joints will start moving again. You'll get out of the house. People will like you. You make a difference. Somebody's counting on you to show up. That's a very big deal. I always say it's the purpose of retirement that really drives the health of retirement. If you don't have a decent purpose in retirement, I think you're going to end up being somebody who's constantly on this treadmill of trying to find a way to to fix that inside. It's like a drug. Right, A purpose in retirement answers the problems or the questions you have when it comes to, oh, should I charge on this credit card to feel good? Right, You know there's an emotional high that we get when we buy something. And for some of you, it's the video game world. Right, I've seen these, these uh, games on your phones. The amount of money for, quote, extra points 
that you pay, oh, you can open up the next chapter. You can open up the next whatever level. Let me tell you guys, that or crack. Okay, I get it. I prefer you know, you, do, you to be an, uh, an addict for the credit card. But if you can't handle it, then you shut down those credit cards. You remove the credit cards from your phone. If you can't handle it, you stop going to Amazon, right? You don't enter. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go walk into a bar and say, hi, uh, yeah, I'm going to show you how strong I am, bartender Bill. Give me a club soda. Why would you do that? Just stay out of the bar. You don't have to prove anything to anybody, right? Those on the road of, of recovery will tell you that's the dumbest idea. Because your family's future depends on the decisions you make. You want to die and have everybody look at you and say, well, that was a weak person. Or that was a person that made a difference. Right? So these are big questions that are deeper than the symptoms of credit card debt. They're deeper than the symptoms of the car that you don't need that you have to work even harder to pay. Now, I want you to have a wealthy life. But it isn't about buying things. It can undermine and collapse your retirement. I have seen it. I have seen people having to go back to work. I have seen people uh, live less of a fulfilled retirement because they're dragging this debt with them through retirement. And here's the golden, I call it the golden 10, which is five years prior to retirement and five years after retirement. What that is is simple. It is the decisions, the financial decisions you make five years prior to retirement are very important, especially if they're long-term. Car payments, RVs, vacation homes, when to start Social Security, when do you transfer your retirement account, right? These are very important decisions five years prior to retirement. But they are also very important decisions five years after retirement. Because the idea of retirement having this never-ending uh, time frame, it's not right. It's not real. Now, there are people right now that are in their 50s and 60s, without question, that are going to live into their mid to late 90s. We know that. We see that. We see these people out there. We know that they exist. We know you're going to live a long, healthy life. We know that you're going to be in a position to need spend money. And we all know that money's going to go up in value, up in cost, right? And things that money's going to go down in value, rather, and, and things are going to go up in cost. So you have to have a strategy to increase your income over time. Now, granted, many of you that are retired, like Eric, I just don't spend the money. That you guys have the opposite problem. You're like, I have more money coming in now. What do I do? I have everything I need. I don't keep buying new clothes every month. My car works fine. I'm not interested in taking international trips right now. So I just keep saving, saving, saving. Well, there are some amazing accounts that can offset some of the expenses of retirement. So if you're in the opposite camp, you're in the other side, and you say, listen, I have money coming in, and it's just building up my savings account. Well, we have accounts that are three-year and five-year accounts, kind of like an, an, uh, a CD at a bank, except instead of a bank, it's a fixed annuity at an insurance company. And it can pay you anywhere from 2 to 4% in interest. 
And look, the interest is deferred in a fixed annuity, meaning come heck or high water, it's the same interest. It's not something that's going to go away. It's not something that goes up, down, up, down. It's basically something that goes into the account. This is most fixed indexed annuities, right? Sorry, forget the index, just fixed annuity. It means it's the same interest rate, relatively speaking. Most fixed annuities, it's the same interest rate for the entire term. Five years, three years, seven years, whatever it might be. All right. But the interest in a fixed annuity is tax deferred. That means you don't pay tax on that money until you pull it out. That means you don't pay income tax on it until you need it. Oh, wait, you said you didn't need it. Isn't that nice to not have to pay tax on money that you don't need? Huh. If you put it into a savings account or a CD at a bank and you earn interest on it, you're going to have to pay income tax on that money, on the interest, every year, which means it's like one step forward, half a step back. So what we want to do is not be in a position to where you are going to lose money going backwards. We want to not be in a position to where you're taking whatever risk, it could be a time risk, right, a two-year CD, one-year CD. You're taking some time. You're removing it from your ability to spend it, except now you have to pay taxes on the money that you can't touch. So we are concerned about that. If you are, what we do is we find a good fixed, multi-year fixed annuity. That means... It's a, you write a check, it sits there, it grows. I mean, there's not, it's not that complicated. Guaranteed by the insurance company. We work with A-rated companies. Most uh, insurance companies that are out there that, that pay good rates are, are generally in the A category. There's a few that we wouldn't work with. Just because I don't like the, the rating that they are. I don't like the B-rated or B-plus rated. You don't have to these days. They're good companies out there, solid companies. We don't have a concern. Okay, continuing with debt, I think this is such a big deal. Many of you took out home equity line of credits. In fact, the trend that I saw this week was, Arif, I don't have any debt on my house. I go, great, we paid off our home. Wonderful. I go through their their little worksheet. I'm asking questions. Oh, we have a HELOC. I go, okay, that's fine. You, you don't owe, owe anything on it, do you? Oh, no, no, we do. I go, well, a home equity line of credit is the same as a mortgage. It's against the house. You don't pay, they take your house. So don't think a second mortgage or a home equity line of credit is not, for all intents and purposes, exactly like a mortgage against the house. You don't pay, they take your house. So so you have to be very careful about this. It's not the same uh, you know, as a credit card where you can file bankruptcy or something where you say, well, well it doesn't doesn't matter to me if I don't pay it. No, no. One of the concerns we've seen lately is the debt that you've had on your, your rental property. Right? A lot of you have had debt on rental property. That's fine. It's a mortgage. Your tenants are paying it. Where my concern comes in is when you have debt on a rental property and the city of L.A. or the county or the state says, oh, and by the way, people don't have to pay. I'm like, excuse me? What, what, what do you mean you don't have to pay? Mr. President, Mr. Governor, it's illegal for you to tell somebody they don't have to pay a bill. You, you can't do that. There, there's no authority in the Constitution, emergency powers or otherwise, that gives the governor or the president 
the ability to tell people, oh, and you don't have to pay rent. Now, they can intimidate people. They can scare the daylights out of people and tell you, oh, by the way, if you don't pay, we're going to come. And I get it. And there are some of you that took advantage of that. Listen, I'm going to say this in the most loving way I can, but you've been stealing. Just because the president or the governor say you should do that or you can do that, you have been stealing. Well, what am I going to do? Get kicked out of the house? Yes, you are. Well, that's not, I'm old. Go get a job. Move in with your children. Ask the church for assistance. There's a lot of things you can do, but it isn't your landlord's responsibility. Now, they can choose to take that responsibility, right? They can be wealthy enough and say, listen, this is such a small thing. Just just pay my property taxes. They can do that. But you don't get to decide that. That's their decision. I know I'm going to upset some of you that are that want to be the takers of, of society, but you can't do that. That's not right. Doesn't matter if Joe Biden says it's right, it's still not right. So rectify that situation. Reach out to that landlord. You've been stealing from them. They're afraid to tell you that they've been stealing that you've been stealing from them because the, they're afraid of the president or, or the governor or the bureaucrats at the LA County Housing Authority of uh, They're not allowed. All right, I, I can't emphasize this enough because clients come into my office that counted on that income for their retirement. They took the risk, they bought it. They take the risk and they have to put in a water heater when it breaks. They take the risk and put in a new roof. Their job is to make sure you have a clean, safe house. And then you steal from them. Uh, can I be any more blunt? I don't know. But you got to stop, right? You're a person of integrity. You tell people you, you're an honest person, right? If I stopped you on the street and said, hi, uh, Mary, are you an honest person? Yes, I am. Okay, then stop stealing. I don't know how, how you're going to fix it. I don't know if the answer is you start making your rent payments and then a little extra. Because many of you took the government money and still didn't pay your rent. Yes, you did. You took a vacation. You put it in your savings account. Oh, is that a new car in space number six? Oh, it is, huh? Well, you should give your car to them because what you did was wrong. Right? If you have any questions, guys, you can reach out to me. I know I'm hurting some of your feelings. I know it's your mom or your dad that did it and, and they justified it from here to Tuesday. I get it. But maybe you're the one that needs to be the, the voice of reason and the parent now in the room. Our number is 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. Imagine for a minute, look, I kind of look at it this way. If you're telling me that I don't have to pay my rent, if you're telling me that I don't get to collect rent, whatever side of that equation I'm on, then you should also say, and because I'm not paying taxes, I don't. Uh, the government workers don't get paid. Oh, wait. Because teachers are only teaching three people that log on to Zoom that they shouldn't get paid. Right? They're, they're paid to teach 30 people, three of them log on to Zoom, so pay them 10% of their pay. Oh, you wouldn't do that, would you? Uh-huh. 
Of course not. Right? So you have to ask yourself, where's the integrity here? All right, enough on that. Uh, Home sales. We're seeing a lot of people who were stuck with their rental properties turn around and just sold them. Right? They told the tenant, listen, I'll pay you $5,000, just get out. You don't have to pay back rent, just get out. Ooh, wow, really? Yep. That moved a lot of people outside of the, the state of California, outside of the city. A lot of the homes came back on the market. But in July, we just got the July numbers this week. What do we have? Right around 6% plus? Home sales fell nearly 6% in July as housing market slides into a recession. Reported this week by CNBC. Oh, wait. Housing market's in a recession, but not the economy. Because CNBC has those famous last three letters, spelled Dan Rather, so, so you know it's crooked. But you know that was the beginning of the end, when Dan Rather thought it was okay to lie about the draft letter from President Bush. Can you remember back that far? President Bush running for office, I can't remember which term it was, I think it was the first. Dan Rather ended up lying about it. It took what? No kidding. I think it took 15 minutes for somebody on on the web to format it and say that font didn't exist back then, <laughs> or to say the spacing is you know Microsoft Word. I, I remember it was like like a half an hour later they reported no 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 I'm going to stand by my story the letter is real the entire thing was manufactured and instead of CBS staying with it right. And saying, you know what, it looks like we were duped as well. They rode that horse all the way. And then what? Did, I think Dan Rather bounced over to, to another network, I think it was NBC, there for a little while. You know, doing special reports or whatever he was doing. The point is, that guy should have been, if you're going to ostracize Trump because he says bad words now and again, shouldn't you ostracize the thieves at New York Times? Shouldn't you ostracize, and by the way, they're crooks at New York Times, just to say that. Dishonest is the easy number. You see, because if they're the only ones that can speak, well, surprise, then, then they're the only ones that are believed. So you see that over and over again, right? But at least they're starting to report some decency. You started to see the Inflation Protection Act really isn't, it's just a marketing ploy. We just made up the name. And all these senators are running around trying to, trying to, to justify why they're using inflation protection, whatever. Pretty hilarious. The actual term doesn't even exist in the mainstream media today. They're calling it, you know, the jobs creation, green jobs. Well, that's where your 86,000 IRS agents are going to come from. So we have to be careful. I think you're going to see a recession here. I think we're already here. I think that's why the debt elimination is important. So grab your pen and paper. I'm going to give you something here in just a second. It's going to be a a payoff strategy. Like, how do you pay off your debt? Specifically, bad debt. Now, let me get into that definition while you're grabbing your pen and paper. Good debt is debt that makes you money. So if I own this building and it costs me $10,000 a month, but the rents that I charge are $20,000 a month, then that's fine. I own a million dollars. It's good debt. Give me another one. Give me another one. Keep giving me because it's a good debt. But if I'm in a position to where it's costing me money, where I have to go to work on this treadmill, and there's no more than 24 hours in a day, so there's no way I can make more than this, well then, 
It's bad debt. I get it. Listen, if you guys have a bad financial decision, I see it all the time. If you are making a bad financial decision and you cover that decision with God, family, or, quote, the right thing to do, then there's nothing I can say to you. There's no math formula that I'm going to say. It's, it's over. You've made your decision. You've justified it with God, family, or the right thing to do. Because what am I going to do? Well, if God thinks I should give all my, my possessions to the church, great. Well, then there's nothing I can do. Uh, I, th- I think it's the right thing. My fam- my sister is a drug addict. She's horrible, but I think she should move in with us, and I'm going to give her my car to use. Okay, what am I going to say? Forget your family? You, we've already made a decision that you think she is more valuable than common sense. I didn't mean your normal sister. I mean your sister that's a drug addict. Right? So when a client took money out of their debt, uh, out of their uh, retirement account, and they said, I'm going to take out $80,000. I have to pay taxes on 30000 Give my brother 50000 Well, that was 10%. Of her life savings, 10%, which is important because you realize for the rest of her life, her retirement income is going to decrease by 10%. So that she can give her brother, you know, help him with the down payment for a house. I can't do the math on that and say, and at the end it says one plus one equals screw your brother. You know, forget God, forget your family. Let's not, let's do the wrong thing together. So always check yourself. Am I making a wrong decision? So how do you build this? Very simple. I want you to pay off the lowest balance first. You pay the minimum payment on all your debts. You pay the lowest balance first. Everything extra goes towards that. And it has nothing to do with the interest rate. So many of you think interest rates matter. No, no, no. The goal was to get out of debt, not save money. You think they're the same thing. They're not always the same thing. So how do we get out of debt? You pay the lowest balance first. When that's done, you take all that extra money and you add it right to that uh, the next debt all the way up. And that's how you create wealth. Get yourself out of debt, guys. Thanks for being a part of the show. 888 retire Stay tuned. Your emails are next. I'm Eric Hallaby. It's 888 retire Your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, The Answer. Learn from Learn about financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. My name is Arab Halaby, your place for news, talk, and information. Triple eight ninety nine retire. 888-997-3847. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. We're talking about, uh, look, your your questions. That's what my second hour is all about. And you guys uh, have re- requested it. Enough of you. I appreciate it. Some of you are saying, I wish he never showed up. Nope, we're here. Tough luck. Your family's finances, they're important to me. And you guys have to realize, some of you understand money much better than your friends, neighbors, even your family. You know, a lot of times you think it's, oh, I understand everything. This is simple. Well, most people don't. 
right? Even CPAs, you talk to a certified public accountant, they're amazing at taxes, they know numbers, but they don't understand, well, maybe investing, right? Each part of the financial world is different. Somebody who's a financial professional, but they're involved in the loan business, that's a different uh, area of expertise. So each one of these has an area of specialty that requires really some some education, I don't know. Right, when I was buying a house or a rental property, my goal was to speak to a loan professional. And look, surprise, 30, uh, 25 years ago as part of our practice, I used to do loans as part of what we did. So I'm very familiar with the terms and you know, very familiar with things, but, but I still hired a professional because I didn't want to make a mistake. I wasn't sure what the next step was. I wasn't sure the terms these days and the rules these days. So even if you are involved in a particular business or a practice, you have to ask yourself, what is the difference today in that industry? Why is it that you still struggle with whatever the issue might be? Okay, so so don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel bad about it. You're in a position of trying to create wealth for you and your family, and you're good at what you do. Plumber, engineer, contractor, whatever it is that you do, you're great at it, and people pay you for it. That's how we know. That's how we know you're great at it. Okay, I want to read a loan to, uh, an email to you. Important you realize this. You guys can send me emails at arif at tfswealth.com. That's A-R-I-F at tfswealth. Stands for Total Financial Solutions. So tfswealth.com. Okay, arif at tfswealth.com. Uh, here's, the, here's the email, and it's from Linda. Dear Arif, my husband and I are both ready to retire. I have agreed to sign on to I sorry, I've agreed to sign on to a parent plus loan for my son 10 years ago. More than 10 years ago, and he had graduated 10 years ago. Okay, let me back up here. It's a little confusing. Dear Arif, my husband and I are both ready to retire. I had agreed to sign on to a parent plus loan more than 10 years ago. My son did graduate right around 10 years ago. And I still owe about $29,000 on the loan and have a payment of nearly $500 a month. I also have a car payment of $600 per month. I owe about $12,000 on that. I'm not sure if I should wait until after we pay these off or should I withdraw the $41,000 that's still owed from my IRA and pay it in a lump sum. This extra money monthly amount of $1,100 in our budget could really help us retire and have peace of mind. Linda goes on and says, my IRA is 100000 My husband's is for, uh, 401k is nearly 500000 My son is no longer even offering to pay any of this loan, and we feel a little bit betrayed. Pausing for just a second, guys. Does that sound familiar to some of you? Yeah. It's a very, it's a very common feeling. And some of you... Let's be clear, your parents signed on to a PLUS loan. Some of them are never going to tell you to your face of what you did was a was a problem. But it, shame on you. But can I say it any more bluntly? You're not supposed to have your parents mortgage their future so that you can go and get drunk on a Thursday night. So, oh, if I, I lived in the library and I studied. Well, then fine. You know what you do is you go get a job. If you're not getting drunk and partying every weekend, then you work every weekend. And if your parents borrowed money on your behalf, shame on you, go pay it off. Because they come into my office, they love you, but quietly they feel betrayed. 
They're not afraid to tell me. They feel like they've been hoodwinked. Now, there's always one of them, right? There's one, husband or wife. Well, we told Jimmy we'd pay for it, and that's our responsibility. He did stay out of trouble. Only got arrested once. Has six tattoos, not 12. <laughs> whatever your whatever your criteria is for a good kid. But here's where the problem comes in. As I continue, my son no longer is even offering to pay, and I f- we feel a little bit betrayed. We don't really care about leaving any of this money to him since he will receive the house when we pass away. Okay, so that's Linda. Here's her thought, guys, and here's part of what you need to understand. She's thinking, do I pull money from a retirement account in order to pay off all of this money, right? Do I take money from a retirement account in a lump sum knowing it's going to hurt their taxes, right? Knowing it's going to push them probably into the next tax bracket, a pretty darn close. So if she's going to pull out 41000 I think is what it is. Yep, 41000 to pay off all this debt so that she could free up that 1100 a month. That's a lot of money, 1100 a month. If you think about it in tax world, right, let's say she pays, oh, I don't know, maybe she gets her and her husband 1800 a month. They pay income taxes on six, 700 away. That goes, and they receive 1100 and that goes to pay the debt. So really when they pay off this debt, it frees up about 1700 a month in income that doesn't have to be pulled from retirement accounts, which means the retirement accounts can grow over time, have a better chance of increasing the income later on down the road. Right? So, so it's a big question. It's not a small question. Yes, it's $41,000, but the biggest number here at play is, believe it or not, the 1100 a month, because that is a beautiful thing to give that kind of extra income into your life. Now, Here's the story. Should they retire? They didn't put their ages. They just said they're about ready, both about ready to retire. So I'm assuming in the next year or so. So here's what I would do. The year that you retire, I'm hopeful that you're going to retire in January, February, March of the of whatever year. Maybe it's coming up. And the reason for that is this. Because if you do, that's the time I want you to pull out this 41000 Because if you retire, let's say in March then they have already over overtaken a, a much greater amount from your income taxes normally, generally speaking, January, February, March, because they're, they're pulling income out, they're pulling taxes out rather based on the income that you're making January, February, March, as if you're going to earn it the entire year. So you already kind of overpaid a little bit. That's why some of you, when you retire at the beginning of the year, you come to my office and you say, but Eric, I got a tax refund this year. Well, yeah, because they pulled out more than they should have January, February, March, because you didn't make that income all year long. So if you're going to retire, or let's say you're going to retire at the end of the year, I want you to pay this off, but beginning the next year. So in other words, the year that you retire, when it's low, when your income is lower, the first year your income is lower, that's the year I want you to pull out this money. Well, you might have to pull out what? What's the, I, I looked at the math. It's right around fifty-five thousand dollars. Fourteen thousand going to pay taxes, state and federal. All going to depend on your tax bracket. Listen, you're going to go to a CPA. You're going to say, Mrs. CPA, here's what I have. Here's my story. Here's our income. Here's where we're going to retire. I want to pay off forty-one thousand dollars in debt, or whatever it will be at that time. 
How much do I need to withdraw from my retirement account? Pay the taxes right away so I don't have any surprises later. And Mrs. CPA, what do I end up with to pay my debts? And she'll tell you. Okay, I like that idea. And because it frees up the 1100 well, really, 1700 1800 a month. Okay, this is important. Your retirement accounts themselves can also bring in about 20000 a year for the rest of your life. So if we don't touch your retirement accounts, if you say, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to pay that much in taxes up front. And there might be some hope. There's a glimmer of hope that my son is going to pay this off. Right? If that's the case... This retirement account is going to bring in about 20 grand a year and go up only from there. So you have a chance to take out this money each and every year to pay off that 41,000, meaning you could probably pay it off in two years, right? Have your retirement accounts, income comes in, pay off the debt. Income comes in, pay off the debt. As it does that, the income will continue even after the debt's paid off. Now you have an extra 20000 a year to live on. So that's another way to do it. You can create a way, a lifestyle, that allows the money to come in the front door, goes out the back door and pays the student loan debt. But you, it, you basically started that machine. You started it going. So once that's paid, it will continue, but now it pays you. And keep this in mind. <clears throat> yes, you have a car payment. I'm assuming it's less than maybe five or six years old. But here's the problem. You may ultimately need another car someday. So I want you to budget for that each and every month. You create. When you guys are ready to buy a car, you're going to create a basic secondary account, right? So, Linda, what I would do is have a secondary savings account. So, for example, you're paying for your car now 600 a month. Does that fit your budget? If the answer is yes, then you just keep taking seven, 600 a month and setting it aside in a savings account. And when the time comes for your car to break down or it's time to get a new car, you just take that savings account, write a check, and poof, you just bought yourself a car. Right? So that your habit, your financial habit, and that's what most people don't understand, everything is about habits. The way you treat your spouse, that's about habits. The way you worship God, your, your, your quiet time in the morning if you're a Bible reader, that's how you, those are habits. Surprise, the way you spend money is habits. The way you eat dinner and, and watch your health and exercise, you follow me? Everything is habit. Well, that's the same thing with your financial life. I want you to think about this for a minute because you're going to be retired and there is no overtime in retirement. I love it when people say, well, I'm on a fixed income. Listen, if you have a job with the city, you're on a fixed income. If you have a job with the company where they say no overtime, you're on a fixed income. So this whole thing, well, senior citizens on a fixed income, everybody's on a fixed income. Unless you can turn a switch and say, and give me more money because I said so. It's not going to happen. Right? So just keep that in mind. Everybody's on a fixed income. You always are. You don't have that freedom to just turn a switch. So with that being said, if we agree that, okay, now we believe everybody's on a fixed income, then it's still back to your habits. And just so you know, guys, Linda and, and your husband, you guys have more than enough to retire. If that $20,000, if that's the big deal to make or break you, if the $1,100 is rather, 
Well, we just found 20000 a year. And that comes in forever. As long as either of you are alive, and when one of you passes away, what's left goes to your kids. Now, if you're not interested in leaving anything to your son, and we don't know when we're going to die, here's the story. Here's what we do. Simple, really? Ready? I'd like you to do something very important. You find a church or a charity, a hospital. I like Providence. It's, it's one of my favorite. They do a good job. Holy Cross manages to the indigent, the poor. I think that's what we're supposed to do, not rely on government. You find a, a great organization that you can support. You put them down as a beneficiary inside of your trust or as the direct beneficiary in your retirement accounts, if both of you were to pass. And do yourself a favor, let them know. You know, the the risk of letting any organization know that you gave them money is they're going to hound the daylights out of you. I understand. So you tell them, listen, I'm going to leave you in my will and trust, but if you call me more than once a year, <laughs> I'm going to take you out. And you're not going to be my trust. So don't call me every day. Don't call me to ask for more money. What's next? What's next? whatever the organization is. I'm going to encourage you to go to charitywatch.org, charitywatch.org, right? And Charity Navigator, Charity Watch and Charity Navigator. They're both sites that, that kind of watch the charities. They review them. They look at them. They make sure that they're decent. There's kind of a rating system, like a, like a credit card, if you will. Here's why. Now, listen, I, I know the American Red Cross does some great things, but they have billions of dollars sitting in their bank accounts that was supposed to be meant for Haiti. Instead of finding a way to deliver it, what did Hillary Clinton do? Build three houses, the Clinton Foundation, or six houses, something like that, and the billions of dollars they kept and used it as their bank account, and nobody said anything. President Trump could have could have uh, sicked the, the IRS on them, right? He could have. He didn't. He let public opinion shame the Clintons. Now, not, not all of them. You guys know those diehard Prius drivers. They're going to love them anyway, so that's what they do. But nonetheless, you can take a look at these charity navigators, these, these watchdog organizations, and you'll see the American Red Cross. I think they have, what, two jets, and the guy makes a million dollars a year, right? Why, why do you need a private jet? You're, you're a nonprofit. Right? Are you flying uh, lung transplant children from here to there to get them? Okay, now now you're my hero. Oh, are you, are you taking a heart transplant, a, uh, a man who needs? Okay, uh, now I get it. I'm with you. But if it's so that you can get on a plane and fly because you don't have to be with the little people with your million-dollar-a-year income, maybe, just maybe, there's a problem there. Right, so I know that million, billions, B, billions of dollars are sitting in their bank accounts for different victims and different events, and they don't always distribute them the way they're supposed to. So I'm not a fan of the American Red Cross. I think there are other charities, local charities, accountable charities that are right here, right in town that matter to you. And Linda, both you and your husband might have a different, different bent. Right, I really like the Boy Scouts. Both my boys are Eagle Scouts. I'm not a fan of what they've done recently, but overall, are they still a good organization? You guys have to decide. You guys have to decide. I stepped down from the board because I didn't like what they did. I was there, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. So you have to decide. Is it is it a great organization? I like them. I like what they did. My boys are Eagle Scouts. They work hard. They worked at the camps, the Boy Scout camps in the summer. So they're good men. 
my boys. And I attribute a lot of that to the Boy Scouts. So you can decide whether that's the right place to be or not. In addition to all of that, when I say each of you might have your own place, maybe you you give a little bit of money now, right? If you want to give us a call, I'll give you a budget. I'll say, hey, all of your financial dreams, there's more questions I'm going to have to ask, but all of your financial dreams can come through, true, let's say, for example, I don't know, you guys have 600000 uh, f- with 500000 So you can give away 100000 now if you want. You're going to, oh my goodness, that's too much money. Okay, fine, give away 20000 10000 to your charity, 10000 to his. See how they act. See what they do with it. Ask for a report. Right? You can do that. And that gives you the freedom to say, I like the way they work. Right? When when a hospital needed some some x-ray machines because they were not working well and there were some uh, economic issues, my wife and I said, we want to be a part of that. So you can find those organizations where you're giving something to an actual piece of equipment or a scholarship for a young person, right? There are things that you can do. And I agree with you. I think if your son isn't going to pay that off and he just basically doesn't want to hear about it anymore, then I'm sorry, but y'all raised a uh, selfish son of a gun. My prayer is that one day he grows up and becomes a better man, becomes a man that pays attention to the impact his actions have on other people. I get it. He was 18, 19 years old, maybe when you took out the loan and I'm going to change the world, mom. And I, okay, yes, son. Yes, I'm with you 100%. So sometimes we make commitments when we're young, when we're immature, when we're unsure, when we think we know what we're doing. So I'm going to give him a little bit of that. But if he's now a man in his mid to late 20s, probably late 20s now, early 30s, and has yet to rise to the commitment knowing that you and your husband want to retire any day, you know, times, that's eh, kind of yucky. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he's a jerk because <laughs> that's sometimes what they are. All right, so here's the story, guys. Two options. Number one, you can pay it off, but pay it off the year in which, or the year after in which you retire where your income is less. Okay? Meet with a CPA tax preparer. Ask her basic questions. Tell me, how much do I have to withhold in order to not have to pay taxes at the end of the year? And they're going to say, well, you're going to have to pull out, you know, whatever. I, I think I came up with 55000 Just depends on the number. You're going to have to pull out 55000 give this much to the state, this much to the federal. You'll receive forty one. Write a check, and you're done. That's one option. The second option is to have your two retirement accounts, yours and his, create an income stream that helps pay that payment for the next couple of years. So in other words, we're dripping this income into your life as opposed to one like ripping off the Band-Aid. That's paying it all off today or, you know, the year that you retire. Boom. But dripping it into your income, dripping it into your life, we can do that as well. It's about 20000 a year and it lasts for the rest of your life. So that's another option. Okay. You can roll over your retirement accounts we can do it from company to company. There's no fee. There's no cost, at least not on our end. It's a rollover, so there's no taxes. It's a transfer straight over. There are companies that pay a bonus anywhere from 5 to 30%, depending on what you're going to do with the money, when you need it. And then, this is the important part, you don't have to start income 
until you retire. Meaning, if you guys have been able to budget and manage that extra 1100 a month, well then great, just keep doing it. We put your accounts out of the market, out of the risk, set it aside. We're not worried about anything where, where we're going to lose money if the market goes backwards. We're not paying attention to that because we're not in the market. You want to keep contributing to your retirement accounts, you can do that. You want to roll over the money, you can do that. And then a year from now or whenever you guys retire next or decide to retire, that's when we start the income stream. Okay, it's not something that has to be done right away. Guys, this is important because your family's finances, when you make a commitment even as an adult to these student loans, these parent plus loans, it's not a small commitment, especially if, and it may be based on these numbers, somebody went to grad school or there was other uh, financial commitments, that kind of thing, a fifth year, whatever it might be. I want you to think about this for a second. These kind of dollars that you owe when it comes to the student loan world, there were deferments. There was uh, the ability to delay payment. I'm hopeful you didn't do that if you still had a job and you had income. Right? Young people, if the government is telling you you don't have to pay your student loan, pay your student loan anyway. Go and get a job anyway. Pay it off anyway. Because you committed to it. Joe Biden doesn't give you permission to steal your education. Go give your diploma back. Oh, you're not going to, are you? Ah. So many of you are behind the scenes struggling with these student loan payments, whether they're yours or whether they're your kids. I want you to do the same thing. Do debt stacking. Take the lowest debt, credit card debt, car debt, anything that's bad debt. The lowest one, the lowest payment. Sorry, the lowest balance. Lowest balance. And that's where I want all the payment, the extra money. You're going to turn all your debts into fixed payments, meaning you're not going to change a payment. What you're going to do is if it's a you know $200 payment today, it's going to always be 200 until it's paid off. Even if you get a statement in the mail, now pay 180. Nope, we're paying 200. And then when the lowest balance is paid off, you're going to take that money plus all the extra money and you're going to roll it into the next lowest balance. Right? It's called debt stacking. We've been talking about this for probably 16 years, 15, 16 years. Well, probably we've been talking about it longer than that, but on the radio for 16 years. So it's nice. I hear, I hear uh, what's his name, Dave Ramsey, talking about it now and again. But debt stacking, very important. Call it snowball effect, debt snowball, whatever. Somebody wants to brand it their own deal. I just want you to pay off the lowest balance first. Forget about the interest rates. You don't pay the lowest interest rate first. There's a little trick that the financial world, this is not the place to get into it. But that's what they do with it. Okay? All right. Give us a call, 888-99-RETIRE. You can call me anytime, 888-99-RETIRE. Of course, if we're not available, we'll go to the machine. My office staff is amazing. They will get back to you. We'd love to meet you. We can do a Zoom meeting. You can meet at one of the offices in the Santa Clarita Valley, in the Simi Valley, in Glendale. Uh, even have an office down in uh, Long Beach area. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Pallaby. Thanks for staying part of the show. Remember, email me at Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's Arif at TFSWealth.com. You can reach out to me anytime on your hometown station. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me. The second email is coming up next on your place for news talk information.
financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Arif Halaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. Our second email is coming up next, uh, and it's your emails, and we're starting to see a greater influence. I want to share two things with you. Um, we're starting to see a few uh, conversations about, oh, what's the right word? I, I guess a few conversations about people leaving the country, you know, especially well, after the Gascon fiasco, right? The dishonesty. I mean, isn't that weird how brazen they are? Like they are in your face. It, it, I guess it, there's no different than these thugs going into a store and stealing things right in the middle of broad daylight with their hoodies and their masks, right? Like the the Robin, uh, Robin Banks from the Wild West, right? There's no difference between that and the brazen politicians for L.A. County, the Board of Supervisors, including the only slash maybe sort of Republican on the board, right? You see it with the L.A. County election people. What are you going to do, fire me? You know, she puffs her chest out. Or Linda Farrar, right? What are you going to do, challenge my science? I am science, right? So there's a lot of these things where you, you look to yourself and you go, God, why is it that there are so many people uh that don't have shame anymore. I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't see it as much as I do. But I think most of us don't realize that the amount of crooks that are out there, it, it's just a, a never-ending stream, right? They have their hoodies. They have they walk in. There's people with timers, right? When I was a policeman, we were doing some undercover work, and these bad guys came and robbed a jewelry store. It was incredible. Because they, they walk in, and as they walk in, this is important, there's somebody counting, like the movies, except this was 35 years ago. And you watch this, and you go, wow, wait a second. These people are more organized than the police. They're disciplined. They know what they're doing, and these are hardcore criminals, guys. All right, so what I want you to do is understand something. Many of you are making choices to leave the country when you retire. I want to share with you how to do this the right way, right? I think most of you don't realize that the amount of fraud that happens overseas is exponentially greater than the fraud here. And ready for this, this is a big deal. Uh, there's no insurance. There's no FDIC insurance. There's no, well, the government is going to make you whole or there's a, a traveler's city bank Swiss re reinsurance policy of there's just nothing. Tough luck. So I want to share with you a story that's happened to a client. So in a, in the many countries around the world, and I'm going to share with you their email, uh, this person's email. There's many countries around the world that has what's called expat communities. For example, down in Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador, right on the outskirts, there's actually an entire basically American village, right? You would go to Solvang or you would go to different cities in the United States and go, oh, that's a Danish village. That's a Norwegian village. Oh, that's what Poles, you know, in a Polish village. No, no, no. This is an American village for all intents and purposes in Quito, Ecuador. 
Now, Ecuador uses the American dollar. There is no Quito, there is no uh, Ecuadorian currency. So the capital, what do they spend at the grocery store? What are all the prices in? How do they pay their employees, the government employees, everybody in U.S. dollars? Well, Panama is the same. Belize is the same. There's many, many countries around the world that use the American dollar as currency. It's part of what they do. You need to understand this because when you go to these countries, if you're going to live there, you're going to think you are in America. There's villages in Mexico. There's towns, and huge towns in Mexico that have dual citizens, you know, the Americans from Mexican descent that are dual citizens, and just regular Americans that maybe speak very little Spanish. And guess what? They live in Mexico. So a lot of people are moving. In fact, there was an article that just came out recently. We have four clients, two couples that moved to Porto, Portugal, by chance. They don't know each other, just over the course of a couple of years, they both moved to the same, same general town. Porto, Portugal. It's kind of in the uh, northwest side of the country. Okay, you got to go up the coast a little bit, northwest. Well, here's what they did. They bought a house for two hundred eighty thousand or something. Another one bought a house for four hundred thirty because they wanted it on the water. Well, that's a beautiful home. Wonderful. Well, what was the article? Uh, Porto, Portugal residents are getting upset that Californians are rising the raising the prices of property. Uh, causing uh, values of real estate to go up. I'm like, well, okay, first of all, who do you think is the seller of that property? Another Californian? Or is the person from Portugal cashing in? Is the citizen from Porto or from Mexico or from Ecuador, wherever they live, when a Californian or any American goes in and buys real estate, it's the local that is selling it, that is making the money. right? If you're a Californian you move to Boise, Idaho, or Scottsdale, Arizona, or Tucson, or Dallas, it's a local person generally that's selling it to you and making the money. So they're like, oh, pointing fingers at Californians. Okay, but you also have to point fingers at your own citizens that just sold it for a very handsome profit, doubled it in two years, whatever the case is. Okay, so so anyway, that's a side note. So they moved. They moved to Porto, Portugal. We have clients that have moved to uh, to Mexico, I can't remember the name of the uh, San Yendo. I'll remember the name of, of the city of Mexico in just a second. And as these people move, here's the problem. Sometimes you transfer your bank accounts down there, right? A local bank. Now, I had a, a bank account with HSBC before. HSBC, I can't remember what it stands for. Swiss bank something, whatever. Great. HSBC, red logo, everything is great. I was in Europe trying to use the uh, debit card. Sorry, it doesn't work. I go, but it's HSBC. They're like, oh, but that's a bank account from another country. I'm like, but it's the same. Nope. That country has its own banking system. Even We let them use our name. We let them use our logo. But we are a different bank. We have different rules. We have different guidelines. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Right? The reason I did it was because it was a big bank in Europe and we like to travel to Europe. This is many years ago. So I'm going to give you kind of an idea of what I think is important when it comes to your, at least your family's finances, if you're going to be one of those that choose to live outside of the United States.
But that, let's look at Craig and Dale. Let me pull it up here. Craig and Dale send us an email. Dear Arif, my wife and I are looking to move outside of the United States when we retire, and we're concerned that my motion picture pension and my IAP, I'll get into that in just a second with you guys, my IAP will not be paid to us in a foreign bank account. I'm retiring at the end of September and will be receiving around $2,900 a month for my pension. I am not sure what to do with my IAP yet, but if they if I choose an annuity, a payment, will that go into the bank account as well? Question mark. All right. We will also be receiving our Social Security checks, and we're not sure that those checks will also reach us. My wife retired from, and I won't say the name of the university, it's one in Southern California. My wife retired from X University, and she has a pension and a retirement account of about $720,000. We want to roll that over. We like the idea of a regular stream of income in case we need it for traveling or to qualify for a new home. What do you suggest? Okay. Well, here's the problem, guys, that you have. When you are in a foreign country, right? He didn't say what country, but I'm just going to assume it's either Mexico or the Philippines or, or it seems to be the most common, Mexico, Philippines, and now Portugal, really. It doesn't matter the country. To a country, maybe there are others that I don't know about, but we have clients that, have, that live in, I don't know, maybe a dozen countries. Okay? So how do we manage that? What do you do? How do you protect your income, and your wealth. Here's what I would recommend. First of all, not all money kept in a foreign bank has any level of security. It just doesn't. I want you to be able to have a bank account that you can log into on the web. These days, it's much different. You can log into that bank account anywhere in the world, sitting on a cruise ship off the coast of whatever. You can do that. So when you do that, when you do any banking here too, but especially in a foreign country, I want you to have a VPN, a virtual private network. It secures your connection. It makes sure that there's no funny business going on because a lot of foreign foreigners, well, they just seem to trust a little bit more than they should. Okay. So that's putting it my, not, uh, what is it? Mildly, as they say. So I don't want you to be in a position to where you're logging onto the internet. You're at your local bakery you're sitting outside in the piazza, it's not the same. You need to have a VPN. You need to have a way to protect your passwords, your account login, especially if you're logging into your bank account. Very important because these bad guys do this on purpose. They know that Americans, the only Americans that live there are ones that financially can afford to live there, right? It's not that difficult. So they know that these towns and villages that are permeated with Americans, coffee shops and restaurants and bookstores. That's where you're going to spend your time. They just go there with hacking materials, and we're seeing it more often than we like, and they're pulling your data as you log in. And as they're pulling your data, they're pulling your password. So make sure that wherever you go, whatever you do, you have a foreign, uh, you have a, a VPN, a secure network, a secure connection, and I'm not completely familiar with all of the details, but I do know you're going to need uh, basically like a two-way verification. Okay? Very important. This is your bank account, too. Just checking the balance. Here's what you do, Craig and Dale. Number one, I don't want you to keep 
any money in a foreign bank except that which you can afford to lose. Sounds a little harsh, I know. But I want you to put in that bank account maybe $5,000, maybe two months' worth of your bills, something like that. You might have a floor of 2000 and a ceiling of, oh, maybe 10000 or something. The reason is because they don't have the same level of connection to the law, to the government. They don't have the same rules when it comes to protecting your principal. They don't have the same rules when it comes to making sure you... Well, the bank manager doesn't steal it. There's a great example. We had clients, they moved from Orange County, moved down to uh, Mexico, to this town. They go into a bank because their friends in the same community recommended this bank. Great people, the lady speaks English. Da, da, da. They get there, the bank manager, she was educated in the States, speaks English fluently, dual citizen. Perfect accent. I mean, understands things, educated here. Went to college here. Degree from the United States. So she's the bank manager. She ended up stealing around $11 million. $11 million. And of course she disappeared. I don't know if you have any confidence in the Mexican authorities when it comes to their, whatever it might be, their FBI. But I would say zero. There's a zero chance that she will get caught. In fact, she can probably travel to the United States back and forth on her regular name unless the people made a made a complaint in the United States. But I will tell you, most likely in the United States are going to say, well, it's not our problem. It's not a crime that was committed in the United States. It's Mexico's problem. So maybe if it can get into Interpol, if they can do what's called a red list, right? if they can put her on a red alert, which means she's wanted, so the local authorities will carry, will hold her and keep her in custody. But the chance of that happening, I would say slim and none, like almost never. Could. But she ripped off people for their life savings. And they transferred it into the bank in that country. And it was a bank that people knew. I won't tell you the name of it, but it's a bank that people knew. But they did the same thing as they did with me. They said, oh, sorry, that bank is subject to that country's rules. And that's, that country's rules are not the same as this, as the United States rules. So here's what I want you to do, Craig. I want you guys to be very clear on how much you're willing to lose in that country. You keep everything else in the United States. You can pick a credit union. That's what I would do. Right? There's some great credit unions that your industry has access to. Guaranteed, protected, on and on. All right. So first thing we do, keep the money inside of the United States where there's rules and laws. You can transfer out whether you're going to do it on the computer, but you have your VPN network, right? You have your protection. You transfer it on the computer. Bring it into that country's bank account. Fine, you have a local bank account, a local uh, visa slash debit card. But I don't want you to ever use a debit card ever, including outside of the United States, even if you're traveling, guys. Never, ever use a debit card. Yeah, but Arif, never use a debit card. Use it as a visa or a MasterCard, whatever it might be. Okay, use it as the credit card portion, not the debit card. Here's why. The laws in the United States, if the account is in the United States, the laws in the United States for credit card fraud are way in your favor. Many of you have been victims of credit card fraud. They stole X amount. What are you required to pay? Maybe $50, usually nothing. Right? Oh, but what if they drained your bank account? 
with your debit card because somebody, you know, skimmed your PIN number. Oh, guess what? They stole everything. That's right. And then what do you do in the United States? It's not our problem. You gave them your PIN. How do we know you didn't give them your PIN? How do we know you didn't take the money out? It's in a piazza in Italy. It's in a uh, plaza in Mexico. In Quito, Ecuador. It's, it's in a little cafe. What, what do you mean? How do we know you weren't taking your, uh, pulled the money out of the bank account? So, I don't want you using a debit card for anything ever. Big box store, hardware store, nothing. Restaurant, nope. You use the debit, the MasterCard or Visa logo. You use the credit card portion. Then what you do, it's very simple. You can transfer the money. Poof. You go online with your protection. Doop, move it over. Easy. It will protect your bank account. Because now you're in a foreign country. You're telling me you're going to go back and forth for court dates? Where you show up, you're sitting in the court. Sorry, we're going to continue this. Somebody is sick. you got to fly back. Oh, now we're going to, and you fly back. Oh, now we're going to continue it, fly back. Oh, we're going to be an extra day. Change your airline ticket, pay the fee. You're not going to do that. You're going to write it off. And they know that. So, I'd like it if you understand how the, the that Mexican bank manager, that lady, she's gone. Disappeared. That's enough money to, to, to live like a king or a queen anywhere in the world, specifically in a third world country. And if she speaks the language perfectly well in both places, she's probably already got a job in the financial industry somebody else, somewhere else. All right, so don't get yourself tied up. Keep all of your banking in the United States. You can transfer money over. You can use your debit card. Uh, sorry, you can use your, your debit card as a, as a MasterCard or Visa as a credit card. You swipe your credit card. Get your points. Get your bonus dollars, whatever it is. Then here's the important part. You get to go online, your online banking with your extra protection through your VPN, and you pay it off each and every month. It's a great way to track your expenses, but you didn't give anybody open permission to your bank account. Okay? Transfer what you want into that country's bank account. That's fine. You want to transfer $1,000. I don't know. What, what does it cost to live there? And... Craig and Dale, here's what we do. We set up your pension to be auto-deposited in the U.S. bank. We set your annuities to give you reliable retirement income where? In the United States bank. Your wife's retirement and pension from the university? In the U.S. bank. So the deposits keep coming there. Yes, once a month, once every two months, you're going to go online and roll over, transfer if you will. Bring it from one account to the other. Don't bring everything over. Not into that foreign bank account. Right? We just want protection. We want guarantees. We want FDIC insurance. We want American fraud laws. We want rules and credit card rules. And when you go around town and you're going to buy, 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 or shop, 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 you use your credit cards. And here's the thing. When you're traveling, when you need money, look, Figure it's right around 3000 a month is what we can get you from your wife's uh, retirement account. Now, you may not need that at all, especially if you're going to live in a foreign country because you're going to have Social Security. If you have 2900 coming from Motion Picture, your Social Security is probably right around 3000 maybe more. Your wife's is mm, not going to receive anything probably because of the university, but her pension is probably right around 3000 as well. So you guys are nine or $10,000 a month 
That's probably more than the president of whichever country you plan on going to, more than the president earns. You keep that outside. I want you to rent for quite a long time, at least a year. When you're in a foreign country, I know you fell in love with the people. I know you think it's beautiful. But my experience has taught us this. You rent. It costs 500 or 900 or $1,000 a month maximum to live on the water. Why do you want to deal with a contract, a purchase contract, in a foreign language? And even if you go, but I understand the language. I grew up. I speak Spanish. I speak, you know, whatever the language is. No, you don't understand law. You don't understand American law. And you were raised here and you worked here. You think you're going to understand the language of the law language of that country? Probably not. So you rent. You travel around, you spend your days going north, south, east, west, find out where you want to live. You meet the best attorney, understand attorneys are generally the biggest ripoff in most foreign countries. They have scammed me and others out of lots of money over the years because they know the law. So you have to find the right person. So you're going to meet people, you're going to have people with good experiences and bad experiences. Maybe you are somebody, ready for this, who never ends up buying in that country. That's okay. Because if you earn eight or nine or ten thousand dollars a month and your rent is nine hundred dollars to be fully furnished, by the way, to be close to the water or on the water, that's probably not a bad deal. That's property taxes in the United States if you're lucky. So transfer the uh, bank accounts into or keep them with the credit union or the bank, make sure it has that symbol, right? The plus or, or the exchange or whatever it is that allows you to use multiple ATMs if you need cash. But the only ATM I want you to use when you need cash, if you're in a foreign country, is this. You're going to walk inside of the bank branch. And there's usually an ATM inside of there where they can't manipulate it or put in foreign things. You're not going to use ATMs at the cafe or in the Piazza, you're not going to use ATM machines in the museum or anything like that. You're going to use them inside of a banking institution. You withdraw your cash. And you don't keep very much of it there. And you don't keep very much of it available because it's the same reason. There's scams and frauds. You can be somebody who pays in cash. I'm okay with that. You can be somebody who, who thinks, you know, you just don't want your identity out there in the world of credit card. I'm okay with that, too. And when you travel around, you find the places you want to live, you don't get flashy. Right? I remember going to a Central America, sorry, a Caribbean country, and they warned us, don't wear your jewelry. Ladies, take off your earrings. You can wear a wedding band. Men don't wear flashy gold watches, gold chains, nothing like that. All you do is very simple. You just have a watch that tells time. You don't wear fancy clothes and shoes because Americans love to do that. They can pick you out of a crowd, the white tennis shoes. They can pick you out white socks. Right? Most other foreign countries wear soccer shoes. We wear tennis shoes. Not like you ever play tennis, but hey, you have tennis shoes. So you want to not be that conspicuous. You want to be somebody who lives a comfortable life, lives a beautiful life, and you have less concerns. Then... You keep your friends pretty tight, at least the people you're going to share your financial success with, because they will kill you for $25,000, and you have a half a million or a million. 
right? So you just make sure you're careful. Last thing is I want you to make to, to look into something called kidnap ransom insurance. I should do a show on that. If that's something that's important, you guys send me an email, and I'll, I'll do a whole show on it. But it's, a, it's an insurance policy that protects you if somebody was to snatch you in Mexico, if they were to take you in some of these other countries in the Caribbean and Central America, South America. And it, it gives you a level of protection so that they don't hurt you. All right? So look into that as well. Hey, guys, thanks for being a part of the show. It goes by fast, doesn't it? Second hour of our show is always about emails, which means it's about you. Arif at TFSWealth.com. A-R-I-F at TFSWealth.com. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for being part of the show. I appreciate you spending your time. You have a wonderful week. Triple eight ninety nine retire That's 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870. The answer. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.